Hello, and welcome to the How We Get Through It podcast. I'm your host, Sumistrata. Hi, and welcome to the How We Get Through It podcast. I'm Sue, and today we are going to talk about something other than self-awareness because I looked back at my episodes and realized that the last two episodes were about self-awareness, and I feel like you maybe have that down pat. (laughs) So today I'm going to talk about the techniques to help us manage our physical and emotional uh, reactions and effects to stress. And I'm also going to give you some information about heart math. If you don't know about it or are curious about it, um, you're going to want to, you know, remember this information. So if you have a pen and paper, you can go grab it to write some of this stuff down. This is a fascinating research-based technology that I use every day to manage my emotions, my well-being. And I know that you will see a baseline shift if you start using this today. So I'm going to give you a technique at the end of this episode to use on a daily basis. You can use it while you're driving or you know, before you open an email. And we'll get into that a little later. But first, I want to discuss how the mind-body connection plays a role in stress and give you tips to integrate um, you know, these tools into your daily routine. And they can be especially helpful and useful if you experience day-to-day stress, if you are a parent, you have a high-stress job. You know, these are techniques that anyone can use. Um, the mind-body connection refers to the relationship between our thoughts and our physical health. And I know we hear a lot of people talk about the mind-body connection when we're talking about our physical health. Um, And, you know, I just want to say that our thoughts and our emotions can have a significant impact on our physical health. It is something that we don't maybe we're just starting to talk about a little bit more, but this connection is a two-way street. And it is important to address both the mental part and the physical part of our health when we are managing our stress and other conditions. And so when we talk about stress, we know that it is a natural response um, and it's normal to experience stress in our daily lives, but it can have a negative impact when it becomes chronic and if it's not managed properly. And so when you're stressed out, you may have physical symptoms. I get digestive issues, muscle tension and headaches. Um, you know, some people can feel really tired or, you know, just this like over, you know, overarching kind of feeling of doom, um, where you feel overwhelmed, depressed. You know, these are things that stress when you are chronically exposed to stress, you're going to be dealing with. And we're today, we're going to talk about the self-regulation techniques that can help us manage that. So I want to give you a little bit of background about how I got to this point where I am right now. And in, well, let me start with this. As the parent of a daughter who has had many medical interventions since she was three years old, uh, as a family, we've experienced so many stressful situations and the physical symptoms and emotional symptoms of stress, I feel like, you know, even to this day, um, they come and go for us. So in 2017, our daughter was diagnosed with epilepsy and we were in the hospital for over a week while the doctors tried to determine 
what the cause and if, you know, if they were able to get it under control, the seizures that she was having. And this was a really upsetting time for us. And, you know, to tell you the truth, we're still paying the price for that medical intervention because, you know, that, that was a very traumatic experience for myself, my husband, my daughter. And now when we go to doctor's appointments, we're met with medical anxiety. This medical anxiety manifests in, you know, in my daughter as fear of needles, blood draws, um, fear of hospitals, fear of doctors. You know, if I even mention that we're going to the doctor, you know, her first reaction is to, you know, and she'll grab her arm and, you know, no pinch, no pinch. And you can tell that was like her physical symptoms increase when we talk to her about, you know, we have an appointment coming up. You know, we really have to be very mindful of how she's receiving this information. So some of the physical symptoms that we see when we talk about going to the doctor um, is shallow breathing. She will, you know, appear very uneasy. You can see her um, demeanor change from happy to anxious and even to the point that she becomes sleepy. And one of the ways that she protects herself is, you know, her body will fall into that dorsal vagal state where she just freezes up and she will fall asleep. And this happens, this has happened to her quite frequently as a, you know, way of her body protecting itself. And, you know, this is all as a result of being in the hospital. She was so young. She, you know, had to take medicine to stop the seizures that were happening because they were getting so frequent that she really very, you know, if we were in the hospital for, um, you know, when we were in the hospital for 10 days, but I would say six of those days, she was very rarely not having a seizure. And we were keeping track of her seizures through that time. And it, they were happening so frequently that it was hard to even write them down. And it was getting to the point where we were having conversations about potentially um, having to put her into a medically induced coma to reset her brain. And, you know, that was something that I, that I was very scared about doing, but if that was going to help her, then we were going to do it. However, you know, these things, these choices that we made and the things that we had to do, there's still, you know, trauma behind it that we are still dealing with to this day. And so even now I'm acutely aware of when these changes happen and I know where they come from. And so I know this is not something that, you know, she's choosing because she just doesn't want to go to the doctor. This is something deep inside of her that is a physical reaction to a trauma that she experienced. And so instead of forcing her to change the way she's dealing with it, I've had to find a way to deal with my anxiety surrounding that experience as well, because I've noticed that even if she is in that state of, you know, almost shutting down or, you know, severe anxiety, if I can remain calm and radiate that calm to her, she then begins to slow her breathing and become more stable. And I'll talk about that phenomenon in a later episode, but I want to get back to how I manage these symptoms and then in turn help her to manage the stress that she is under. 
All right, so let's get into these techniques. I use these techniques on a semi-daily basis. And sometimes, you know, you don't have to use all of these techniques every day to help you manage your stress. But it's really important to have some things kind of like in your backpack that when you need them, you know that they're there. And so, you know, these techniques will help you to regulate your emotions, improve your emotional well-being. It's going to give you an edge over stressful situations. And the first technique is being prepared. It's uh, something as simple as that can really make the difference in reducing your feelings of overwhelm and anxiety and increases your ability to cope with whatever situation comes your way. So, um, you know, these are things that you can even do on a regular basis, like when things are going fine, because like I said, it's going to give you an edge over the stressful situations. And I also want to make a note that this list <laughs> is my younger self's nightmare because I don't think I did any of this stuff probably up until, oof, gosh, I would say like, that I started to want to have a family. <laughs> I think all of this stuff just really wasn't in, you know, in my purview to even consider. I would do almost the complete opposite of everything on this list. And so that just goes to show you that with time and maturity and circumstances, you know, you really can change, you know, even you know, if my younger self were just sitting here right next to me, she would probably be rolling her eyes at me. So just keep that in mind that, you know, these, these are not for everyone. And, you know, maybe you don't need all of them, but some of them can be very helpful to you. So let me tell you what they are. The first thing I'm going to suggest is that we get more sleep. When we are sleep deprived, our body stress response goes into overdrive. And this it leads to higher levels uh, inside the body of the cortisol, um, the stress hormone. And <clears throat> cortisol is responsible for triggering that fight or flight response. When we have higher cortisol levels, um, it can damage us. It could damage our immune system. It can increase our blood pressure and it can contribute to anxiety and depression. <clears throat> and so by getting good sleep, we are able to um, regulate that cortisol level and restore balance in our body. And so <clears throat> it's not only about getting more sleep, it's the quality of sleep. And so you can improve the quality of your sleep by establishing a really consistent sleep schedule. Try to go to sleep and wake up at the same time, even on the weekends, um, because it'll help your body establish that natural sleep-wake cycle. And <clears throat> a good way to do this is to, when you wake up in the morning, try to go outside or look through a window and get some of that morning sunlight because that will help your body recognize that it's daytime and that you're up at this time and your body will naturally want to fall asleep at an appropriate time. And, you know, that kind of brings me to another point of, you know, not picking up your phone as soon as you wake up, because that is going to disturb that um, from happening. Make sure that you are creating a relaxing sleeping environment. Make sure your bedroom is dark, quiet, and cool. It's so much better. I think the, um, the, 
optimal temperature for sleeping is like 62 degrees, which is entirely too cold for me. So I sleep with a hoodie, <laughs> socks, um, you know, leggings and all of the things like I am well tucked in at night, but, um, my room is cool and I have a ceiling fan. Um, you can also, to improve the quality of your sleep, you can limit your caffeine and alcohol intake and exercise regularly, regularly. And this is going to benefit your mood. It's going to reduce anxiety and improve your cognitive function. So that's number one of the techniques. And that, that in and of itself is going to pay back in dividends with your stress management. Because when you're well rested, you're better able to deal with the things that are coming at you better because you're not so tired and you're not just, you know, you know, looking forward to just getting to bed because you're so exhausted during the day. And the next thing that I'm going to suggest is that you prepare for tomorrow tonight. And that may look like lying out your clothes, getting your lunch made. If you have a backpack that you put all of your stuff in, take care of that tonight so that when you wake up tomorrow morning, you can focus on today and you're not trying to rush around and find these things, you know, find something to wear or, you know, get your lunch made. It like, it's just those small things that you can do really help you to manage your stress level. Cause it's just one less thing that you have to think about in the morning. Um, and then, you know, when you wake up, the next thing you can do is, you know, right away upon waking, stay hydrated. I mean, like, come on, really? <laughs> I feel like Everyone tells us to drink more water, but for real, drinking water can solve a lot of our problems. I am, um, I don't drink as much water as I should, but when I do drink a lot of water or the appropriate amount of water for, you know, working out or whatever it is that I'm doing, I really truly feel better. My brain feels less foggy and I'm able to make better decisions. So stay hydrated. One more person telling you to stay hydrated. And I know like... Um, it gets kind of old, everyone telling you to drink more water, but it really, really is important for our well-being. The next thing I'm going to suggest is to take the time to, you know, anticipate uh, potential stressors for the next day. If you have an important meeting or you have to make a phone call, if you know something is going to happen that's going to be stressful, think about it ahead and then develop a plan for how you are going to cope. And this can certainly help you feel more prepared and less caught off guard. So it's going to reduce your stress. And, you know, additionally to that is, you know, practice your self-care, whatever that means for you. You can meditate or stretch, exercise, do yoga, you know, whatever helps you feel like you are taking care of yourself do that. And so that kind of brings me to our final discussion. And we're going to talk about heart math. And you may be familiar with heart math, or this may be a new concept for you, but I'm going to kind of define a few things first. And then we're going to talk about uh, a tool that you can use to help you in the moment um, you know, kind of bring yourself into alignment. So let's talk about heart-brain coherence. This is the idea that the heart and the brain are in constant communication with each other. And in fact, research has shown that the heart has its own complex nervous system, and they call it 
the little brain or the heart brain. And it communicates with the brain through nervous system and hormones. The HeartMath Institute research has shown that when we experience negative emotions, such as anxiety, anger, or frustration, our heart rhythms become irregular and chaotic. And you can see that if you've ever seen um, an EKG where you see the jagged pattern, think of that. We're, we're talking about heart uh, rate variability, but just to kind of give you a visual of what it may look like is you're going to see that jagged um, rhythm. And this heart rhythm will become uh, irregular and chaotic when um, we th- when we are having experiencing negative emotions, and that can affect our cognitive and emotional performance. However, um, you know when we experience positive emotions such as gratitude, appreciation, compassion, those same heart rhythms become more regular and coherent. And you would think of like uh, like a bell curve; it would just be a, a really smooth sine rhythm, and that is when you're a heart is in uh, coherence with your brain. And this, this um, coherence can improve our cognitive and emotional performance. And so to define coherence, it is a state of optimal function and it's the synchronization between the heart and the brain and other physiological symptoms. The technique that I'm going to teach you a little later on can help you achieve this coherence by regulating your heart rhythm. And I mentioned heart rate variability, so I just want to make sure that I'm clear about uh, describing it. And heart rate variability refers to the beat-to-beat changes in a heart rate. So our heart rates are an average of the heart rate over a period of time. So the heart rate variability is that beat-to-beat changes. Um, This occurs naturally in response to the environment and our emotions. Um, Higher heart rate variability is generally associated with better health and well-being, while lower HRV is associated with stress and poor health outcomes. And it's important to understand that cultivating positive emotions such as gratitude, appreciation, compassion, a sense of ease will promote that heart-brain coherence and improve your overall well-being. And the Heart Rate Institute research shows that by regulating these systems, we can have a range of benefits for our physical and emotional well-being, including reduced stress, improved mood, enhanced cognitive performance, and better sleep quality. One simple technique that you can do while you're driving, um, you know, you can have your eyes opened or closed, or you can be you know, practicing this in the morning as part of your morning routine or before you go to bed, is you're going to sit quietly and you're going to start by focusing on your heart. So, you know, just bring your attention to that heart space area or your chest, and then imagine that your breath is flowing in and out of your heart. As you inhale, Imagine positive emotions such as love, gratitude, or joy flowing into your body. And as you exhale, imagine those negative emotions or stress leaving your body. And so now that I explained it to you, let's practice it. Okay, so for this, you can just be where you are right now. Kind of, you know, check in with yourself, drop in, you notice your breathing. 
And once you take a deep breath, I want you to focus your attention in the area of your heart. Imagine your breath is flowing in and out of your heart or chest area. Breathing a little slower and deeper than usual. Find an easy rhythm that's comfortable. As you continue heart-focused breathing, make a sincere attempt to experience a regenerative feeling such as appreciation or care for someone or something in your life. And this can be a feeling you have for someone you love, a pet or a special place or an accomplishment, or just focus on a feeling of calm or ease. And you can continue to experience that feeling as you bring yourself back to the room. And you can use this technique at the start of your day or when you're beginning a project, you can do it with other people just, you know, before you have a meeting. This is a great technique to use at any time during the day, no matter how you're feeling. And, you know, it's, it's going to um, help you to enhance your performance, reduce your stress, and it's going to have many benefits. And one important thing to remember is that this technique does take practice. And so if you can set aside some time each day to practice, even if it's just for a few minutes at a time, Try to, you know, focus on that positive emotion and, um, you know, bring that into your heart and take those deep heart-focused breathing breaths and you'll see that throughout time you're going to have a new baseline and you'll notice that your mood is going to improve and your stress levels are going to be reduced. And I can tell you from personal experience that as a family, we have come leaps and bounds from where we were between 2017 and 2020. We learned the importance of self-regulation and have made significant steps to manage our emotions and behavior in a way that's adaptive, that's resilient, that's productive. And since we know how to better prepare ourselves and we have these tools, we're better able to handle the stress that happens. And listen, we know that stress is going to happen, but we also recognize that we have the skills and resources to cope with it. And holding these two truths simultaneously has helped us reduce our anxiety and cope better. So I hope this episode was helpful for, for you. And if you use this technique, I want you to share with me how you feel it is working for you and um, just anything else that you want to share about this episode. So thank you so much and have a great day.